You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, kitties, and welcome to my world. I would come over and say hello to you, but it's just as easy for you to come to me. Yes, yes, come in. You've come to the right place. This is where you'll learn everything there is to know about your furry feline friends. I'm talking about cats. Yes, I know. We are positively perfect pets. What do you mean I have attitude? Why, of course I do. I'm a cat. It's called Catitude. As I was saying, this show is all about cats. Cats and, um, oh yes, uh, cats. So let me introduce you to my accomplice, I mean assistant and host of Catitude, Tom Doc. Okay, Tom, tell them how wonderful we cats are. It's okay, you have my permission. Welcome back to Pet Life Radio, and this, of course, is the Catitude channel with your feline host, Tom Doc. That is me, and I'm so glad that you're back here with us. We're going to have a fun show today talking about some different breeds of cats and also some of the things that are going on around the news, um, both animal-related. I'm so excited. One of my projects that I have going on is very close to completion, and I hope during our next show that we'll be able to actually talk about it. But we're in the midst of developing a website that is not only going to be a pet-friendly community, in other words, a place where people can come and talk about all of their... Pets, whether they be feline, canine, fishy, reptile, or whatever you would like to have. But this website is also going to have veterinarians available for you to ask questions. My friends from the Veterinary News Network are volunteering their time to actually get on and answer these questions. It won't be a live chat type situation, but it will be more along the lines of a forum message board. So you can get on there, you can type your question about your kitty, and then get an answer from a real live doctor of veterinary medicine. And you know how important I think that is. I just think there's lots of people out there who like to talk about pets, whether they are breeders, whether they're dog trainers, pet psychics, or whoever. And and God love them. I know they love what they do, and I know that they've got some pretty good intelligence. But here's the bottom line. The only person who really, truly knows medically what's going on with your animal is your veterinarian. And that's why you should only take advice from a doctor of veterinary medicine. So hopefully, everybody cross your fingers, and of course all you polydactyl cats out there, cross all of your fingers. Hopefully, we will have this new site up and ready within, hopefully, by the time you get the next show here. Um, It's the beginning of February right now, and we are so close to having it ready, but of course a lot's going on. I'm very excited also because I'll be heading out to the Western Veterinary Conference very soon here, and of course the Western Veterinary Conference is one of the largest conferences in the world. I get to see a lot of my friends that I don't see very often, you know, maybe just once a year or so, and it's just a real good time. We produce a television show out there, the news hour, and of course I get to learn a lot too. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the news. Um, You may already know this. February, um, not sure when you're listening to this since it's a podcast, but February is National Pet Dental Health Month. So certainly, if your little kitty is going in for a checkup this month, ask your veterinarian to take a look at the teeth real closely and take a listen to them as they talk about the need for dental care with our kitties. You know, a lot of us like to feed wet food, and I think that's a great thing to help the kidneys stay real hydrated and help the cat stay real well hydrated. 
but wet food can be kind of sticky on the teeth and so we need to take some steps to make sure that we don't have a lot of plaque and tartar buildup and have our kitties lose their teeth early. I don't recall the exact percentage, but somewhere along the lines of 40% of cats who look like they have an absolutely normal mouth when you look at the mouth with x-rays, just like your dentist will do your x-rays, what's going to happen is you're going to see lots of problems underneath the gum line where nobody can really see what's going on. So just a word to the wise, make sure that your kitty's teeth get checked out when you go to the veterinarian um, anytime in the future. And of course, this can this is good all year long, okay? February is just a month where the veterinarians like to promote Pet Dental Health Month, but really it's an important thing all year long, as is this little bit of information too. This is also February, is Spay and Neuter Month, along with Prevent a Litter Month, um, the North Shore Animal League tends to promote these and of course we want to do all we can to make sure that there's not a lot of pets who aren't getting homes. We know that the shelters are full of our furry friends, especially cats. It's very difficult having worked in a shelter situation sometimes to place cats in homes and as you know a lot of feral cats get caught so do what you can to help prevent litters and prevent pet overpopulation by spaying or neutering your cat if you are not going to breed them. Um, I think that if you are wanting to breed, certainly talk with your veterinarian, talk with somebody who already breeds cats, and find out from them all of the information that you need and all of the work that it's going to take to raise those kittens and find them to good homes and everything like that. All right, enough little uh, soapboxing here. We've got a couple really neat breeds to talk about today. We're going to be talking about two Turkish cats, the Turkish Angora and the Turkish Vaughn. And I'll kind of mention a, a third one too, the Turkish Avon Kadizi, I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, very, very long-haired cats, very attractive cats, and I think that you'll find that uh, very interesting history as well. So we're going to talk about that, and we'll spend some time coming back talking about more news from the Veterinary News Network. But first, we do have to hear from our sponsors. That's a very important thing, and I appreciate you guys hanging with us as we go to commercial. Before we go, though, let's try and see what we can do about a trivia question. Now, we're going to be talking about Turkish cats today, and the capital of Turkey is a city named Ankara. It is also the capital of the Ankara province. But up until 1930, Ankara was known by a different name, and it's a name that should ring familiar to cat lovers. So if you can tell me what was the name of Ankara before 1930... We will have the answer for you when we come back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Ooh, do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna. Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it? I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave, I may not eat you. Until later. Hmm. Okay, Tom, you may continue. And we are back. This is the Catitude Channel on Pet Life Radio, and I am Tom Doc, your cat host here at the Catitude Channel. When we came to commercial, I gave you guys a trivia question about what was the original or the early name of the capital of Turkey. The capital of Turkey is now called Ankara. But before 1930, it was actually known as Angora. And we're going to be talking about Turkish Angora cats today. And this is kind of where all this ties in together. Um, Ankara was actually known as Angora from 1073 up until 1930. So almost a full millennium. Okay, almost a thousand years um, after it fell to the Seljuk Turks. Um, even before that, before 1073, it was known as Ankara. And I believe that's how it's pronounced during the Byzantine period. And then when the Seljuk Turks took over, they renamed it Angora. And then, of course, now Ankara. So a little bit of trivia for you there. And you thought it was going to be cat related. It was a little bit because we are talking about Turkish cats today. And there are two that we're really going to profile today, the Angoras and the Vons. And let's talk about the Angoras first because this is truly a, a national treasure in Turkey. These cats have actually been kept in the zoo in Ankara. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but at some point back in their history, and I believe it was in the early 1900s, the prime ministers and officials of Turkey looked at the fact that these cats were literally, quite literally, going extinct. And we'll talk about the reason why in just a moment. And so they set up several breeding pairs in their zoo. And these... Um, Animals are still kept in the zoo today in Ankara, Turkey, and it was very difficult to get one of these cats. You could not take one of these cats out of the country for a period of time from the late 1800s until probably about 1963, mid-60s, even um, into the early 1970s. Now, these cats do go back probably to the early 1500s when, of course, lots of trading going on and lots of traveling back and forth, and, of course, European merchants who are going into the area and everything would see these cats and you have to see a picture of them if you go to the cfa.org website you can see uh, best of breed gemini who is a blue-eyed white turkish angora male and you just see the very attractive nature of these long-haired cats and they're truly a have a refined athletic grace is how it's been defined you see the, the gorgeous Persians that we talk about all the time, how they're laying across the couch and just look like they're classic. These Angoras have a totally different profile, and you almost just have to see them to believe just how beautiful they are. So a lot of these European merchants tried to take them back to France, and, and it went on and on. And even into the 1800s, Angoras were still coming from Turkey into other European countries, especially England. And we know how much the English love their cats. But what happened at this point in time, and this is why the Turkish government decided to start their own breeding program, is the Angoras were so important in the Persian breeding programs. Now, remember several shows ago how we talked about early Persians and they had kind of that coarse hair. They did not have the real fine hair. 
that we see with Persians today. Well, the fine hair really is coming from the Angoras. A lot of Angoras were used in the Persian breeding programs, but unfortunately what happened was the Angora genes, the Angora cats themselves, were really lost out to the Persians because all the Europeans, especially the English, wanted Persians, and so they just outcrossed to the Angoras to try to get that coat texture. And at one point in the late 1800s, any long-haired cat, whether it was a true Angora or whether it was a Persian, they were called Angoras. And you'll still hear some people to this day see a long-haired cat in a pet store or at a breeder even or maybe a shelter, and they'll call it an Angora. Well, now we fast forward to 1963 out of the 1800s, and a breeding pair was released by the zoo. This was two unrelated animals, Yildachik, which I believe was the male, and Yildiz, which was the female, and they came here to the United States and were actually recognized in uh, 1970 by the CFA and were able to compete for championship status. The interesting thing about Turkish Angoras is all registered Angoras in North America right now must be able to trace their ancestry back to Turkey. Again, we're only talking about 45 years or so here, and although that can be a lot of cat generations, certainly, we know that if it's an Angora cat in the United States right now, it has to be able to go back to those original cats from Turkey. Let's talk about what these little cats look like. Now, they are a medium-sized cat. They're not quite as small as some of the Siamese that we've talked about, and they're not quite as cobby or big as, say, something like a Maine Coon. They have very fine bone structure. They're a very long cat, very live. The, To me, what is very interesting about their coat is that they have a medium-length, single coat. They do not have an undercoat. Now, remember, our Persians had that top coat and that very coarse undercoat which was refined through all the breeding with the angoras to become very fine and you get that texture now so these animals are actually very very easy to keep unlike persians and himalayans a lot of times and breeders don't really recommend a lot of grooming other than combing once or twice a week it seems like the cats pretty much take care of everything else themselves now these guys are also when you think turkish angora you're mainly thinking of a cat that is white and certainly that's mostly what these cats are known for and that's kind of what the turkish national cat is is an odd-eyed white cat when i say odd-eyed i'm talking about a cat with two different color eyes a blue and a gold eye a blue and an amber type eye um versus just a blue-eyed or an amber-eyed white cat and we'll talk a little bit in just a few minutes about white cats with blue eyes and whether or not they are deaf too but we'll come back to that in just a minute but did you know that turkish angoras are allowed to be shown in several different colors the self colors smokes tabbies even bicolored cats so you've got like a, a blue and a white now the only thing you can't show a turkish angora would be any sort of pointed pattern those siamese patterns that we've talked about because that would be very indicative of uh, outcrossing and then any color that has been derived from those pointed colors so the chocolates the lilacs or if you want to call it the lavenders those are not allowed again because that's indicative that there's been some outcrossing going on 
How about personality? Well, according to the breeders that I've talked with and received email from, these guys are very adaptable. They do like to travel. They do well in all sorts of family situations, but they're very assertive and they will often want to be the alpha pet. So they want to be the boss of what's going on, but they are very affectionate and very outgoing. So this would be a good family pet or a good pet for someone who is uh, maybe a senior, doesn't have a lot of family around and, and needs a lively companion. Health-wise, we've already talked about their grooming. They are minimal groomers. We don't need to do much, but maybe brush them once or twice a week. They do have some congenital problems due to their breeding. And again, this is a very small population of cats. So uh, we haven't had an opportunity yet to really build out and, and get rid of a lot of these congenital problems. They do have what's called a hereditary ataxia. And this is where kittens are born. And, you know, all kittens struggle for the first few weeks to get up and walk. But by the time they're three to four, even five weeks old, all kittens should be walking, although they're a little weak, a little bouncy sometimes. Uh, they can't stand up by themselves all the time. These guys have a congenital problem where that ataxia, that weakness, gets worse and worse and worse, and the kittens actually end up dying from it. Like a lot of purebred breeds, heart problems um, are really big in Turkish Angoras as well. And we talk about the congenital deafness. Now, you've all heard the stories about white cats with blue eyes being deaf. And if they have one blue eye, they're deaf in that ear as well. Now, that is true. That can happen. But not all white cats with blue eyes are deaf. And it ends up being that only a small percentage of total cats, like less than a quarter of a percent, end up being deaf, and only about 5 to 10 percent of white cats with blue eyes end up being deaf. And that's because of the gene interactions that we have going on. There's several different ways that you can create an all-white cat, and in the case of a Turkish Angora, the white is a dominant color. It's basically white over something else. So genetically, maybe the cat is a tabby, or maybe the cat is a self-blue. But because of this white gene, it's the W gene, it masks out all other colors, and so the cat appears to be white. Now, obviously, with some of the other uh, tabbies and some of the other uh, self-colors that are showing up in the Angora programs, this can be changed, and so that you don't have to have a totally solid white cat. But I just wanted to let you know that when you see a white cat, when it has blue eyes, it doesn't always mean that it's deaf. Now, a little bit more trivia for you here. The Turkish Angora was actually used by South Korean scientists to create, believe it or not, glow-in-the-dark cats. Now, the South Koreans are very big on cloning right now and a lot of bio-research. And what they were doing is they were actually looking for the presence of a certain protein and having a marker that was easy to see, i.e. glow in the dark, was one way that they did it. And of course, this has a lot of scientific reasoning behind this. This is something that they're going to use to search for certain disease processes in animals and people. And certainly you're not going to find glow in the dark cats on the market anytime soon. All right, next uh, up, we're going to talk about the Turkish Vons. And when you first hear about these cats, you might think that they are very closely related to Turkish Angoras, but that is not the case at all. Now, when I was talking about the history of the Turkish Angora, 
The Turkish Angora cats are kind of from the, the middle part of Turkey, or what's called Anatolia. So around the capital city there, and again, this is what people describe as their national cat. Turkish Vons are another natural breed that originated in this area, but they are distinct from Angoras. They're really not related to them at all. In fact, you know, there wasn't one derived from the other as far as with human interference or anything like that. Now, the term Van, V-A-N, is a very common term in Turkey, and it came about because there's a lake there in eastern Anatolia called Lake Van. And there were two English photojournalists there during the 50s who saw these cats. And the difference between a Turkish Angora and a Turkish Vaughn doesn't appear on first glance to be much. But the Turkish Vaughns are an all-white cat that have colored markings on the head and the tail. And that patterning is now known as the Vaughn patterning. And you can actually see this showing up in other breeds like Vaughn Persians and Vaughn Maine Coons. I think actually there's a movement afoot in CFA to change the title instead of Von Persians to change it to Persian with Von Markings, something along those lines, or Persian Vons. I think they want to get away from confusing people with the Turkish Von from the Persian or the Maine Coon type. So these ladies who were the photojournalists found these cats and they saw them, they're just running around wild and thought they were absolutely beautiful. And they brought them to England in 1955, and some of them started showing up in the United States around 1982. And just a few years later, in 1994, they were recognized for championship status by the Cat Fanciers Association, by CFA. So, and again, these are white cats that have a colored tail and colored marking on the head. But what this is going to confuse you a little bit, these are truly, again, not white cats. These cats, unlike the Angoras who have the dominant white gene, these cats are actually what we call piebald. And so they are colored cats with large white patches across their body. Like the Angora, you can find them in any color except for the Siamese pointed type colors. They have a very silky coat with no undercoat. And a lot of scientists and geneticists believe that the reason both the Angora and the Vaughn have coats like this is because of the climate in Turkey up in the mountainous regions where it can go from being very, very cool to very warm summers. And a lot of these cats will actually lose a big portion of their coat during the summertime. And so they don't appear quite as long haired. The Vaughn's coat should be very soft like cashmere or rabbit fur. And interestingly, it does have a water resistance to it, which I've just, I just find fascinating. And there are lots of reports, and you can find pictures, too, just all over the internet, of these cats swimming. Not just getting in the water because they have to take a bath, but actually actively swimming. These cats also are much larger than the fine-boned Turkish Angoras. They can have amber eyes, blue eyes, or, of course, like the Angora, they can have odd eyes, one amber and one blue. If you see pictures of these guys side by side with Angora, you can really see the difference. One breeder told me that when a Turkish Vaughn takes off from your desk or from a chair, they are so big and so massive that they actually, papers go flying or your chair goes flying backwards, unlike the Angora, who is a much more delicate cat. As far as personality goes, the um, Turkish Vaughns, uh, like I said, love water, but every breeder that I spoke with came across with just two words loving and loyal. 
So very, again, a, a good family pet, a pet who might give you lots of antics to laugh at. Um, very healthy cat. These guys do not seem to have any congenital problems whatsoever that I could find, unlike the Angoras that have the hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, the heart problems, and the hereditary ataxia. And again, these guys don't seem to show up with any problems with deafness. So if you have a blue-eyed Turkish Vaughn, who's got the large white patches and just a little bit of color, they are not likely to be deaf at all because it's a completely different gene complex. Genetics is just fascinating to me, and I know you guys hate for me to run on and on and on about it, but I just absolutely adore it. There is a third Turkish cat. It's called a Van Kadisi, and I didn't wasn't able to find much out about them. They've um, got a little bit longer fur, um, a little bit longer coat than the other two, but they just come from a different area, and so they're unique in the fact that they just come from a different area of Turkey, and we're really not seeing them here in the United States as much right now. That, of course, may change as people's tastes uh, differ and as people find out more about them. Okay, we are running short on time, so I need to get you guys to a commercial. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about news of the day, what's going on over the next few weeks in veterinary medicine, and we'll also have some news from the Veterinary News Network. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna. Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. <coughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the cat tree tray. The cat tree tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a six inch tray for large bowls and a four inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it? I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave, I may not eat you. Until later. Okay, Tom, you may continue. And thanks again for hanging with us here on the Catitude channel at PetLifeRadio.com. I am Tom, and we're going to be ending up the show here in just a few minutes. But I want to talk with you guys um, a little bit about some of the things that are going on in the news animal-wise. We've already mentioned that it's Pet Dental Health Month, as well as Spay and Neuter Your Pet and Prevent a Litter Month here. And again, this is February when I'm making this show. I found a couple interesting things, maybe not so much cat-related, but um, scientists were able to resurrect an extinct animal through cloning recently. There is a type of sheep found over in, I believe, the Pyrenees Mountains 
um, over around France and Spain. And we're going to see if we can't find out a little bit more information. But what they did was these animals were slowly dying off. And in the 1990s, there was one or two left. In fact, I think it was just one female that was left in the area. And scientists went and actually took skin cells from her ears. And this was an extinct ibex, I-B-E-X, um, a Spanish ibex actually, or excuse me, a Pyrenean ibex. And they were actually declared extinct in 2000 um, after the last female was found dead in northern Spain. But like I said, they did preserve some skin samples and they were able to insert the DNA from this Pyrenean ibex into domestic goat eggs. And so they were able to clone this Pyrenean ibex and she's also known as Bucardo. And this was the very first time that we've ever cloned an extinct animal. Unfortunately, what happened, this animal did die, and um, it was born, but it died about seven minutes after birth due to physical defects in its lungs. And what's interesting to me about this, because I do try to follow all these cloning stories, is that a lot of other cloned animals, um, especially sheep, have been born with similar lung defects. So... You know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but uh, they've recently transcribed the entire DNA genome of a woolly mammoth. Actually, I think it was a mastodon, one or the other, one of the extinct elephant-type species. And so the thought is now that they were going to try to bring a mammoth back. And, of course, that raises all sorts of Jurassic Park-type issues on whether or not we should or shouldn't do that. Out in Colorado, you may be interested to know that if you have a cat out there and you live in a city or a county that has more than 100,000 people in it, you will be required to microchip your cat, and even though the cat doesn't go outdoors or anything. And there might be some people out there that think that this is kind of intrusive and that government shouldn't do this, and, you know, I don't say that I can disagree with you on that, but I do think it's a good idea because from a shelter standpoint, having worked in a rural shelter here over the last several years cats just don't find their way home once they go to the shelter because they don't have microchips a lot of people don't microchip their cats they just never seem to find their way back home when they get to the shelter people don't think to come look in the shelter or maybe they look and they miss the cat for whatever reason and so the poor kitty ends up being euthanized and never makes it home so i do like this idea of the fact of mandating microchip or mandating you know id on the cats and so let's talk a little bit about microchips. As you may be aware, microchips are about the size of a grain of rice. They are basically a computer chip. And what happens when they receive a burst of energy from a scanner, they tell the scanner, here I am, here's my ID number. And then the people who scan, whether it's your veterinary office, your humane society, or your animal control, can then take that number and track down who the cat belongs to. Or as we like to say around here, who belongs to this cat and contact that person and have them bring the kitty cat home and it works if all the steps are followed and of course you've got the first step is pet owners should microchip it is a good technology it works and there's no reason that you shouldn't do it but the second step is the shelter or veterinary office needs to make sure that they scan and they have the right type of scanners and that's a whole nother show that we can talk about in the future 
But thirdly, you as an owner, if you get your pet microchipped, this is not a GPS system. It's not going to tell you where your cat is. All it does is get your cat back home if somebody else finds your cat. You need to take the step to register your cat in the database. And many, many people don't do that. Some of the statistics that I saw at one point in time was less than 50% of people who get microchips ever follow through and register their animals. And so what happens is if the microchip is given out by a shelter, if the microchip is implanted by your veterinarian, what happens is if you don't follow through and actually register your pet with that company, then when they, your pet's lost and the shelter calls and says, hey, who is this pet registered to? It's going to come back the veterinarian or the shelter that implanted the chip in the first place. And that's just another step and more time until your animal gets home with you. So if you're going to microchip, make sure you follow through and definitely fill out that database. Um, there's a lot of online databases you can go to, I believe, it's petlink.net is one of the larger databases, and this is being sponsored by the Bear Company with their new microchip, the Rescue Microchip, and it'll take any information. And so if you've got microchips from the other companies like Avid or Home Again, you can input the information, and that's going to hopefully start to nationalize this database so there's only one place that we need to go and look. Well, we are just about out of time. I have had a lot of fun. I do have some good news for you. Um, like I said, I am getting ready to go to the Western Veterinary Conference, which starts on February 15th, so just a little bit of time away right now. I am going to be at the show, and I will be recording from the Western Veterinary Conference. I'll let you know all the new things that are going on with the American Association of Feline Practitioners. I'll talk to you about new cat toys, and of course, we'll bring up all sorts of good information. If you have questions, if there's something you would like to hear, please email us at tom at petliferadio.com. Again, tom at petliferadio.com. If you've got a question, a medical question, I'd be happy to help you out with that. I can't answer the question because I'm not a veterinarian, but guess what? I am good friends with Dr. Bernadine Cruz, the pet doctor here on Pet Life Radio, as well as the 350 veterinarians of the Veterinary News Network. So we'll be able to find out an answer for you. And like I said, make sure you check out our next episode. The next episode, we're going to have some information about a brand new website that you can go to and learn about your pet's health and learn how you can keep those kitty cats nice and safe and ask questions of a real live veterinarian. Very excited about this. We'll talk with you soon. Stay in touch. Come back and see us. Bye-bye now. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Doc. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.